Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About Thrones. This is the episode where we talk about the last two episodes of season four, episode 409, Watchers on the Wall. Sorry, The Watchers on the Wall. Can't forget the the, because we have another one (laughs) in episode 410, The Children. I think that's actually kind of important there. That that yeah. the matters. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's not any children. It's the it's children. The children, exactly. <laughs> so you hear the voice of Sir Anthony of Winterfell? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, not that there's much of Winterfell left at this point, but yeah. Well, I mean, so you know, claim it. Others yeah. have. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you, you may last longer. <laughs> And you, of course, are Sir Richard of Riverrun, which we haven't actually heard from in a while. Yeah, interesting. And mm. the missing voice this time again, unfortunately, is um, Gen- uh, Sir Jenny, Jenny of Tarth. Tarth. Yep. There you go. Yep. We 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 have it together. We are professional podcasters and Game of Thrones watchers. We are. Except sometimes scheduling is hard. It, yes. Especially when all of us kind of have multiple jobs and yeah, it's hard. So And, and episodes just, to watch at the last second and <laughs> well, Yeah, hey, that's your choice. Usually that's me. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I I took that role for you this week cuz you hadn't hadn't watched them early. So I figure <laughs> someone's got to be in a hot panic to finish these. Um, exactly. And exactly. It, it, the bad part is, I mean, I'm I'm going to spoil it a little bit here, but these are episodes that you don't want to skip. You don't want to. There's no scenes you can just go. Oh, I remember this part and kind of flip through. Like no, everything in these two episodes is cream. It's all amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of good stuff here. So let us dive into it. Episode four oh nine. I, you know, we should have seen the writing on the wall, so to speak, when. The recap didn't even mention Tyrion. And how did we end the last episode? Right, with Tyrion. Right, and he's not even mentioned. Mm-mm. It's all about characters that we now know of and see at the Wall. So yeah, the, It's called The Watchers on the Wall. It's basically The Watchers of the Wall, because that's all we watched this episode was The Wall. Everything in this episode happens... In or around the wall. Right. We were the watchers of the wall. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but so <laughs> the titles are referential to the audience. This is uh this is a little metaphor, it's okay. I really liked this episode. There's a lot of great character development in this. There's a lot of build up to some great action scenes in the next episode. Mm-hmm. And let's just kind of discuss through all of this stuff that's happening at the wall and get through all of that first. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to tackle it kind of by person. Okay. Because I think what we see here is we see two kind of key people. And the story that unfolds at the wall largely unfolds around John mm-hmm. and Sam. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting that you can actually kind of go from big scene to big scene and sh- talk about the influence that Sam had 
on that situation. Right. Um, it, it really starts out... It, the episode starts with Sam and John atop the wall, taking their watch, and they have this, this touching conversation talking, about... Talking about sex. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's really... It, it kind of builds that, that placement of Sam as looking up to John. As he's really, you know, John's his big brother in 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 every way but lineage. Who's had sex, right? <laughs> That's an important, <laughs> important aspect, especially in this show. Um, and uh, and then John sends Sam away. Hey, go get some rest or whatever else. And Sam goes down to bed. Right? He goes to bed because that's what Sam does. Yep. Well, but. Um, maybe not so much, but before leaving, he, he brings up this little fact that I think is, um, an interesting technicality that oh. has never really come up before. He says, you know, and he doesn't use these words, but he's like, doesn't say we can't have sex. He says right. we can't get married and we can't have kids. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's. That that's legit. I mean, it just shows that he's been he's been he's been thinking about this for a while. Oh, by the <laughs> way, uh, have we mentioned he reads a, a lot? <laughs> In fact, that's uh, that's where he ends up going, uh, not to his bed, but to the library because, well, that's what Sam does. He he reads. He's he's an information sponge. This is like his key key point of the whole story. The whole reason he's there. For the majority of the of his arc so far is to read and bring up knowledge and oh hey did you know about this and did, don't forget this and oh well this the so and so said this and as he's in the library he is met by Maester Amon mm -hmm. who confesses that he had a love of his life at some point in time. Uh, many loves, but one in particular, yes. <laughs> yes. Back when he could see and wasn't wearing the dark cloaks in the maester's uh, uh, chain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I really like the part where, so they, they're talking and um, Maester Eamon says, do you know who I was before I came to the wall? And of course, Mr. Amon can't say can't see anything. He can't see Tarly's face, Samuel Tarly's face. Um, but he knows. He goes, "Of course you do," because Sam reads. He reads everything. Mm -hmm. He knows the things that other people don't know. And I think this is one of those. It's it's a slight. It's a subtle hint at showing the audience just how much Sam actually does read, absorb, and how. He seems like a buffoon when it comes to battle and the ways of the world, but he really has a in an in depth knowledge of the wor the way the world works through the literature that he's read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's almost a throwaway line, but if if you're paying attention to Sam, if he's one of your characters that you pay attention to, you can easily grasp onto that one. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So we're kind of following Sam now. The story is mm -hmm. with Sam. And as we're following him, suddenly Gilly returns to Castle Black. Right. And so two things here. One, Gilly shows up. She looks down at the camp of the marauders from the north that are camped 
you know, somewhere outside the gate of Castle Black. And then causes a ruckus trying to get in. Sam goes and, and makes sure she gets in. He puts her um, in a meet, you know, basically in, in like the, the kitchen stores and tells her to stay safe. She's and, like, a shit storm's coming. Right. <laughs> um, and and he, he kisses her, which is like he, he went ahead and took that, that bold stroke. He said, I'm, I'm not hiding this. I have my affections for you. Mr. Eamon already said, you know, he can tell that I love you. So why am I denying this? And he kisses her. And she kisses him back. And it's like this, this 10 seconds of moment that they have together. Before all hell breaks loose. Yeah, and I would say that um, I would call this the scene where he does one thing he should have and one thing he shouldn't. He kissed her. I think there's nothing wrong with that. He also promises her that he won't die. You should never promise anyone that you won't die. That's just a good life rule. Right. Um, I mean, we'll see how it turns out as we go through this episode. But yeah, that's... Sometimes you just shouldn't make the promise, but he did I'm what he saying, needed to do. It's not a good idea. He did, anyway. what he, he did what he needed to do to give her the peace of mind to stay there and stay safe. So, <sighs> Yeah, whatever. So we think <laughs> that the warning horn is blowing because, oh, no, we're being attacked from the wildlings from below the wall. But nope, 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 nope. nope. That's not what's really going on. Mm-mm. The big horn is because... They're being attacked from the wildlings above the wall in right. conjunction with, oh, you know, a giant or two, a woolly mammoth. Now, they did say that you would know the sign when you saw it. The Mance Raider's sign would be readily apparent of when it's time to attack, you know, the small group south of the wall to attack. They said it would be readily apparent. And it sure was because, like, Four acres goes ablaze north of the wall, and there's a huge fire, lights up everything. And, oh, by the way, 100,000 people are standing there going, hey, we're going to take the wall down now. And this is a wonderful distraction. Yes. Yes, it is. Because, (laughs) I mean, this is the part that that I didn't catch this the first time. That little encampment of the marauders south of the wall... They're not like a quarter mile away from the wall. They're they're burning a fire just over a ridge right outside the gate of Castle Black. Like they're right there. They're practically leaning, sitting against the wall, taking a nap and warming their feet to the fire. They're they're right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, that that's true. I mean, it, it's hard to judge that distance until you're like, oh, wow, suddenly they're a Castle Black. Yeah, until there's a pan out scene and it shows, oh, by the way, they're, uh, yeah, they're right there. You know, if they'd just been scouting around a little bit, they would have seen them. But I guess they didn't have the manpower for that. So that was, um, yeah, very quick attack. And this is, this is one of the best action scenes. It seems like there's a whole lot going on. It's very well choreographed to not draw your eye on anything in particular. It just gives you an overall sensation of, holy crap, there is battle a raging. There is. And again, we'll, we'll follow Sam as he's dealing with this. He obviously has left where he has Gilly safely stored away. Mm-hmm. 
and he's now up on you know the the towers of the castle right and he's up with the other men who are there to defend and he's next to a guy who's just like scared shitless he's i believe it's pip pip all right well uh pip is scared pip is is not ready to deal with this and sam basically talks him down yeah and he's and and kind of shows his ability to uh, you know, I say kind of lead if necessary in my notes, but in in some sense, I feel like he was being really empathetic, like he was understanding what this kid was going through and trying to help him realize that it's okay to be scared, but yeah. we have a duty, we have something we have to do. And and he may have been the only person with the experience and the reputation to properly calm Pip down and get him to face the fear and go forward. Um, which ultimately doesn't work out very well for Pip. Yeah, it's but, a shame he did because he dies. But yeah, with you know, it was still necessary. Yeah, um, but again, this is character development. It shows a side of Sam we haven't seen before. He he can put on the face. He can make things happen, even though he's nothing but uh, 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 squirrels running from the storm inside. Yep, absolutely. All right, now. Let's talk about John, because we haven't talked about John for a little while anyway. John is up on the wall, and he takes over when... Am I pronouncing this right? Slint? Is that his name? I believe so. Slint basically loses it. He's a big old stupid weenie. (laughs) He basically starts going nuts under pressure. Yeah, and they kind of con him out of... of out of command and tell him, oh, you're needed down below. Um, So he heads down there basically running from everything. Um, but then that <laughs> Into leaves... Into more. Yeah, that leaves everyone in with without a leader. So de- John is the de facto uh, stand-up guy to take over and does, at least for a while, um, and successfully repels back several attacks on the wall. Yeah, so in some really, really cool scenes, some very clever defense scenes on the wall that uh, I thought were pretty amazing. I thought the giants were really cool. Mm-hmm. But one of the giants is not given up. Right. How'd you like the scene where uh, there there's a giant and a, and a human running towards the wall and the, the human shoots an arrow and it doesn't even get like close to the wall. And then the giant looks down. And oh says, yeah. Oh. And he, he launches his arrow and it goes, it's basically, it, it's, it, it launches through like some of the parapets and some of the fortifications they have on top of the wall and just tears them apart. And, right. uh, and yeah. probably kills someone because someone went flying. Yeah. The second shot, I think actually went through somebody as it was going through. The, <laughs> um, so it's, it's a little bit different between the humans and, and the, the giants, you know, the humans see a 700 foot wall, the giants see a 700 foot fence. It's- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just a little bit bigger than they are. But yeah. so they hook a woolly mammoth up to the gate. They start yanking at the gate. They defend it back with some fire, some uh, some uh, barrels of of pitch. Um, and then one of the giants says, "Well, screw you!" And he just goes and lifts the gate. Yeah, how um, crazy! How so- crazy is that? So John. In again, kind of taken over as a leader, good leadership skills. 
talks to Gren, you got to go and you got to hold the inner inner gate. If he's mm-hmm. on the outside, we can't let him through the inside gate. Yep. Do what you have to. So Gren goes down and we'll follow up with him shortly. Right. But meanwhile, John's men do hold them back and actually like kill a woolly and a giant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, happiness, right? And, and one of the things that I really loved is they had the sling. Like, what is this sling? What is that? What, is, what do you mean by that? It's a huge anchor tied to the wall that's levered on one side. So when they release it, it swings down and scrapes the wall, releasing all this debris and knocking down all these people that are trying to climb the wall in this huge display of of gravity. And then, of course, after it sweeps down and, and knocks all these people off the wall, knocks all this ice everywhere and just causes all this destruction, what's John say? Reel it in. Like, like, <laughs> like, like, like there's no big awesome. thing. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> like, the, the, you know, that hadn't been used in forever, man. They had to be impressed that actually worked. And then his only reaction is, reel it in. Like, we're going to need it again. <laughs> I know. That was so good. Absolutely mm-hmm. loved that. Yeah. All right. So who comes up? Sam Sam comes up. Sam is going up to the wall because they need John's help down below. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're at a good time where John can take a break and hand over the reins. But before doing so, Sam again shows his ability to lead and guide and mentor and comforts the kid who was operating the, the lift. lift or the elevator yeah, and kind of gets him back on track. That kid is, again, scared as hell because he's watching everybody get killed down in the courtyard yep. as the wildlings are taken over inside the castle. Yep. And he's and- like, hey, make yourself useful. Grab a weapon. And, and it's it's uh, it's it's int- it's uh, important to note that during this time, uh, Alistair Thorne has gone down there. He originally was on top of the wall. He came down to meet the charge of the wildlings at the on the south side down at, at Castle Black. Fought bravely and has been maimed because of uh, a tormented giant's bane. They got into it, long, nice long battle that went up here, down there. Reminded me of uh, the Princess Bride, how they were jumping on things and kind of <laughs> swinging around. And at one point, Alistair Thorne like, swings his sword at uh, Torment from around a pillar, you know? And it's, it's just, it's it's all out, and they're, they're going at it. And Alistair is sliced in the belly and pulled away to recover from with uh, some of the other knights of the, of the watch. And... um or the men of the watch. And at this point, they don't have a leader down there anymore. So that's why Samuel's like, well, I got to go get John. Cause he's the only one that can save us down here. And he goes up there, gets John and their, their stories begin to intertwine once again. So they go down and we have John who not surprisingly almost single-handedly turns the battle around because apparently none of these knights actually know how to fight. Well, he is the only one with proper training, like real 
castle steel and castle training, you know. Um, but yeah, he, he the, the elevator hadn't even hit the ground yet, and he jumps out and does a little tuck and roll, pops up and starts slicing <laughs> throats. Um, yeah, and then everybody else on the elevator kind of kind of flows out of it, and they start turning the tide of the battle inside. Um, oh, you know, you know who we forgot about? Who just happens to be amongst the wildlings attacking from within? Who was that? Um, who was that woman that he screwed? Ygritte. Oh, right. Yeah. Ygritte. Yeah. Yeah. She kind of has it out for him. A little bit. A little bit. Like, at one point, um, they said, we might be out here a while. And she said, that's fine. Gives me more time for more arrows. Uh, <laughs> like, she's really, uh, really not not happy with with uh, with John right now. And the, the irony being, that's how bad she loves him. Yeah, yeah. I love you so much, I'm going to kill you. Uh, almost a, a Hamilton line there. And they um, they end up meeting on the bat- battlefield, actually. And they do. he turns around after after the, the leader of the, the bald people. I forget what the hell they were called. But the leader of the bald people and John go at it for a while in this nice battle scene. And John eventually wins. Looks up and there's Egret with a arrow with an arrow drawn upon him, and, and they she hesitates. Yeah, they have this moment like where they're both kind of looking at each other, and he smiles and she kind of scowls, and then she falls over because she's got an arrow going through her heart. And um, who killed her? But the little kid, the elevator boy, <laughs> that Sam told to go get a weapon. Yeah. What he get? He got a bow and arrow, and just happens to know how to shoot it. <laughs> that was freaking awesome. Um, then John has this moment with uh, with the grid, and as she dies, um, she says, uh, "Remember that cave?" And he says, "Yeah, you were right. We should never have left. Um, we'll, be, we'll go back there." And she says, "You know nothing, John Snow," and and that's that's the end of Igrid's story. Yeah, I did not expect that at all. Oh, there is a happy ending after after all of this, though, because in real life, Ygritte and, and John get married. So That has nothing to do with this. <laughs> nothing at all. I'm trying to save something out of the Ygritte death, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see. You have a whole bunch of dead people above the the wall. You have a whole bunch of dead people below the wall. Mm-hmm. It, within a couple of minutes, they seem to have managed to get everything under control. And they go to kind of inspect the damage. And unfortunately, Gren, who apparently we've seen a lot and I just don't remember, and the men that were holding the gate, and we get a good moment with them when, again, another one's scared and Gren talks him into staying there. They recite their oath and they face yeah. the giant and you assume that they're going to be okay, but they're not. They're all dead. All of them are dead, including, happily, the, the giant. The giant that bent the wrought iron bars back to make a hole for himself as he's getting slashed by the defenders in the tunnel only to make it through, kill the defenders, and die himself. Yeah, because, um, <laughs> you know, I, that's obviously all you have to do is you just, you know, you tear the bars apart. Anyway, right. yeah. <laughs> so the giants were cool. I liked the giants. Um, I thought one of the scenes that was really interesting in in all of this is 
Oh, I, I think it was actually, uh, what is his name again? Slint? I think it was Slint, who, when he was going crazy and freaking out, mm-hmm. he was, he, like, part of his thing was, like, giants aren't real. Giants aren't real. <laughs> no, dude, they are. No, they're, they're, they're right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, of course, when he escapes, he runs down to the same storeroom where Sam is hidden Gilly. So that was kind of a little cowering, aw- yeah, a little awkward moment there. The storeroom there, and eventually Sam goes back, finds them both in there, mm-hmm. and they're both safe. And he did, in fact, return. He didn't die. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to suggest that he did, but seriously, anybody don't promise someone you won't die. That's just a dumb thing to do. Right? You're just you, you're you're begging for fate right there. Um, so the scene, the, the the episode kind of closes out with um, the the they're, they're doing the the the. Well, first of all, we forgot to mention that Tormund Giantsbane was not killed in the attack. Pretty much every other wildling south of the wall was killed, but Tormund Giantsbane was not. Oh right, he, he they're, was captured. They're basically uh, they're they're basically holding him, or they, he's captured at this point. Right. Yeah. They they shot him with a couple arrows, and he refused to go down. John shot him with a crossbow in the leg, which made him fall. And then they grabbed him. They put him in in the stockade with, or not the stockade, the uh, the the jail area with um, some chains. The and, brig. Yeah. Then the the maestro came through, and or the maestro came through, and uh, and healed him up pretty good so he's gonna survive for at least a little bit longer and uh and john decides that he is single-handedly going to go through the wall to kill mance raider yeah so they do their burial ritual for the you know the burning of the bodies Um, they haven't done that yet oh they haven't no no they 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 i thought they did they haven't done that yet. because he goes out with a greet and bury, and burns her. Yep, that's after. They mm. haven't done that yet. They John goes to Kilmance way before oh, they have the you, funeral. You, he comes back from that. You are correct. This is why it's dangerous to watch two episodes at one time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So John and and John's got a bad idea. He's going to go and try to kill Mance Raider because without Mance Raider, then they don't have the cohesion to be an army of Northerners. So that's fine. That's, you know, the wildlings will dissolve because Mance is dead. It's a bad idea. You're going to go by yourself unarmed because he he gives up his sword to Sam in the process and try to do this by yourself. It's just not a good plan. Uh, Sam confronts him and he asks Sam, well, what's your plan? And Sam's like, I don't have one. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So there you go. And uh, uh, John goes north. And so now we're in episode 410. John is north of the wall. He goes to negotiate with Mance. His premise for being there is that he was sent to negotiate on behalf of Castle Black. Right. Which Mance kind of gives him a guilt trip about betraying him and then... When the opportunity to present itself shows up with the 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 knife, the dinner knife or whatever, uh, Mance understands his true intentions, and then they hear horns. Um, not not the good kind because now there's <laughs> cavalry coming, um, 
And both John and Mance are both confused by this, going, what is going on? And I was confused by this, going, <laughs> what is going on? I remembered because, this, and I thought it happened much later, and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and in all honesty, I'm confused still, because I don't get what they're doing there. Mm. Like, so, so here we are, we're at this point where basically they have captured John after John attempted to kill Matt's. Right. They're kind of out in the woods and from kind of perpendicular to where they are from both sides coming at them from clearings into the woods are hordes and hordes and hordes of men on horses. And I seriously didn't know who it was, who was attacking whom Yeah. until finally you see... And again, I'm still confused, of all people, Stannis and Davos. Well, the last time we saw them on Dragonstone, they mentioned that they were leaving because, remember, they wanted to leave um, his daughter behind, and, and, they were like, and the Red Woman was like, no, she's got to go. She plays an important part. So we knew that they were leaving. We weren't sure exactly what they were going to do, but uh, the... Very few ravens had gotten out of Castle Black when, when you know, when uh, they they said they were under under attack or whatever. And this is kind of Stannis's like he he needs to prove his metal. He needs to win a battle for the for the people, and he needs to claim a hold somewhere on on the continent that he can start his campaign from. And this captures all of those intents. And so, kind of by. Just what's the right word for this? This isn't coincidence. This is there's a word for this, and I can't remember what it is. But in any event, it kind of all comes together. Serendipity. Where serendipity? That's exactly the word I was looking for. <laughs> where John recognizes them, he identifies himself. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Oh my God, you're Ned Stark's boy." Yeah, Ned Stark died for us and so they basically then turn it on the wildlings and kind of threaten to kill the wildlings and ask john what would you do yeah well he he asked him what what his father would do oh yeah that's right i forgot about that and then he says uh this man captured me held me prisoner could have tortured me could have killed me um but didn't treated me with respect and uh, I believe my father would have, you know, just captured him and, and everything else. So, you know, they, they they take the wildlings as prisoners, but they don't slaughter them any more than necessary to get the point across anyway. So John goes down below the wall, tells them, everybody, hey, you, these burn these bodies burn all these bodies. You got to burn all these bodies. On both sides. On both sides. Yep. So there's big mass funerals, burning, lots of burning. Man, that must have smelled terrible. (laughs) Somehow, for some reason, Ygritte was not in that big pile. Mm -hmm. And not that it was a big pile. They were all on, you know, the kind of traditional log thing. 
And so John makes the decision to take her north of the wall. Well, Tormund tells him she belongs in the north. Oh, that's right. And he the, talks to Tormund. Yeah. And Tormund says she belongs in the north. And they have this conversation about how she really loved you. Why right. did she tell you? No, she really wanted to kill you. I knew she loved you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, could, I could tell she loved you by the, how much she wanted to kill you. Uh, <laughs> which, I mean, that's not unlike marriage, actually. So. <laughs> Uh, I, I believe all the all the bodies that were being burned within Castle Black were all the night all the uh, the the uh, men of the Night's Watch. They weren't like the wildlings as well. I don't think we saw the wildlings being disposed of except for Ygritte. Okay, I think all right. I, I guess that's the only way it really works out in my brain. But that makes perfect sense along with the story and how things work. Because I guess, but then, like, who took care of them? Because their bodies also have to be disposed of, and there weren't any left below the wall. Right. Except for Tormund. Right. So I'm guessing they just threw them out in a big pile somewhere and burned them. But for the Men of the Without Night's Watch... the actual funeral. Yeah, the Men of the Night's Watch had a certain respect to it. It was a certain, you know, these are our brothers that have fallen, and now their watch has ended. Right. So, okay. All right, yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense. So, John does, in fact, take her above the wall and uh, burns her there and, and leaves do, her there. Does his grievance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, so, then, and then we cut. We, are, we, are you ready to leave the wall? That's it for the wall. That's yeah. It. But we're well into the second episode. Right. This has been an episode and a half of the wall. <laughs> Crazy. Which, which Crazy. actually, when you look at it, that's really awesome how it worked out that way because it it really showed a short period of time. We're talking maybe what forty eight hours worth of time, really, in this whole series of events. But it all happens very quickly, and there's a lot of detail and a lot of character progression. So we stayed at the same scene for that whole time, and it didn't even feel like. Like you didn't even remember that you that we hadn't visited anywhere else, because it was so engrossing, and that's just that's just great um, uh, videography and great directing. That's all that is. Yeah. Oh, by the way, while we're in the north, hey, remember Bran? Oh yeah, you want to go ahead and go and knock that out real quick. <laughs> so yeah, they've been walking and walking and walking. They're looking yep. for this stupid tree. Yep. And they figure they're not going to make it. And Jojen is on Dying. his last legs. Yeah, he's you know it's bad when your last leg is a cane, okay? Because he's basically <laughs> dragging himself through the snow. He he's barely functional. Um, yeah, and his sister—that's his sister, right? Mira, yeah. It's just like, yeah, no, no, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. And then it turns out that um, they're there. They're, they're there. Yeah. Although they've climbed. See, this is a minor. A minor production qualm that I have with this okay. because they've spent a lot of energy climbing up, maybe not a mountain, but a big, big, big hill to like a ledge mm -hmm. that looks down over a valley that they now have to get to right. and basically backtrack to get to to get to the tree that they see. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a production thing or that's just bad landscaping by whoever's curating the tree. So, 
Um, but either way, they, they, they start making their way to the tree. They're all relieved. They got a, this new burst of energy, which is good because dead stuff attacks them up from underneath the ice. Um, uh, we, got some, we got some skeletons coming yes. to life. And this is the first time we see genuine magic in the world um, of uh, Song of Ice and Fire. This is this is the first real, like, unmistakable. This isn't something, some some chemical reaction, some other whatever. This is like actual magic. There's skeletons that are popping up, and there's a little girl or a little boy or whatever throwing fireballs at people and blowing them up. Well, um, to be to be fair here, throwing fireballs at the scary skeletons to protect the people that are right. trying to get away from said scary skeletons. And then throwing a fireball at the now dead Jojen uh, to make sure he doesn't come back as a skeleton. <laughs> Which was smart. Right. No, that's, that's a good call. Good call. So Jojen so dies. So Jojen didn't make it. He got nope. killed by one of these things. Um, Mira and... Uh, 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 Bran and Hodor run in to this little cave under the tree, this beautiful tree with all the sunlight around it and uh, beautiful red leaves. And it's uh, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the ancient trees with the faces on it. Yep. Uh, Weirwood tree. And they run in this little cave underneath it. The little girl, boy, child thing runs in there too. And then the skeletons run in there, and they are immediately just dissolved into scattered bits. And they can't the, enter. Yeah, that's the, the only explanation. They can't enter here. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's all you're given. Uh, the, the, no, no. Actually, they said um, the the powers that move them cannot operate here. So Ooh. yeah, it, it's it's a little more ominous than they can't come in. <laughs> All right, I missed that. Yeah, uh, but and they th- wonder, well, who are you? Right, and she says, "They call us." I the- am one of what they call the children. Well, the, the, she says the first men called us the children. Ah, okay. But we were here long before that. And then, so they continue to walk through this cave, which is actually, and this is so so cool. <laughs> it's the root system of the tree. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and this is uh, so. If Jenny was here, or if Jenny were here, how? Whatever. Uh, whatever. If she was here, because it's feasible that she could be. Okay. <laughs> is that is that the, the, the yeah? The, the, if she were here, it's like well, there's absolutely no chance that that would happen. Oh. Okay. Gotcha. No. Well, no maybe no. it is that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Never promise anyone you'll stay alive. Um, <laughs> that's, that was that was very oh, morbid. I don't want to hear that. Now we got now we got to message Jenny and see make sure she's okay. Um, this is one of those points where the books give so much more detail than the TV show does. However, it just confuses you more because the detail it gives it doesn't give actual answers to anything. It just gives you ideas in your head to process through. And this I only know because I've been told this by several people. I haven't read this far in the books to testify for myself, which is one of the reasons I was really hoping Jenny would have, would have been able to show to join us mm, today. Okay. Um, so we'll have to mark this down in our little little mind maps. Rem- ask Jenny about the children and the tree and the details in the books versus what it, the scant uh, details of the show. Okay. 
Well, all of this ends basically with them realizing that the not only is there a man on the tree, there's actually a man in the yeah, tree. The the so called three eyed raven. And, and he basically says that he is going to give Bran back what he's lost. Bran's like, oh, you mean I can walk again? No, no, no. No. No, no. You won't. And he like, you, says that, no, you'll he, never walk again. He says, you will never walk again, <laughs> but you will fly. Dun, dun, dun. That's yeah. the end of that scene. Um, so a couple notes, production notes. One, if you're a fan of Brandon Stark, don't be too eager to see him again. Because it's going to be a while. Two, this is Three-Eyed Raven number one. So it's such that we had three Dario Don Dodo whatevers. We have two Ravens, and this is Raven number one. Or not Raven, uh, Three-Eyed Raven number one. So, Meaning simply different actors playing the same person? Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, and then next time we see Bran, uh, he will have gone through puberty. So don't expect anything from Bran for a while. Wait, <laughs> do, does that mean we get a new actor for him too? No, the actual actor went through puberty before he has another scene. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. Oh, okay. Uh, Bran is uh, mysteriously absent for the entirety of season five. <laughs> He's learning how to fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's the uh, that that's the the uh, reason given in the show. So. <laughs> he came he came on set. He he tried to speak, and the producers are like, uh, "No, come back in like six months." Mark my words. When he comes back on the show, next time you see him on the show, because I think it's fair, it's safe to assume that he's going to be on the show again because it doesn't show anything bad about it. So I'm, I'm not spoiling anything that he's saying. He's going to come back. Um, you won't recognize him when you first meet him again because he literally the actor he gets a haircut. It's not. It's not just a haircut. <laughs> like his, his whole. It's remarkable. He goes he grew through. Up. Yeah, he literally yeah. goes through like Brady Bunch puberty in the meantime. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's um, awesome. But yeah, we'll see him again in season six uh, for a little bit at least, and then uh, we'll 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 see him then. So, All right, so we have we have four storylines. Which do you want to tackle first? We have basically what's going on at King's Landing. We have Daenerys. That's not really four. It's three. And we have Arya. I say we close that Arya. We just continue going south as we go. Okay, you know the geography better than I do. So what's <laughs> so, next? So Arya... And the 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 hound are still going north, and actually we we start seeing this scene by by seeing Podrick um, being harassed <laughs> by Brienne about how he lost the horses, so now he gets yeah. to carry the stuff. Um, really, and he kind of deserves that. <laughs> yeah, but it is funny. It is, it is almost reminiscent of the kind of bickering that Brienne. And Jamie had, and, and, and I I thought it kind of went along with uh, the, um, Tyrion and Bronn when they first formed their friendship oh, yeah. in the same region, <laughs> by the way, the same region where they were kind of both giving each other heart, like you know, she's like, well, how did how did you moor the horses? And he's like, the 
figure eight the way you showed me to. And she's like, well, you did it wrong. Like, <laughs> And I, I, I just love her. I, she's such a great character. And I love just how blunt and uh, as kind of unpolished she is by design, yeah. you know? So they come across the little girl, and the little girl tells them that the bloody gates, uh, the which are the gates that go into their veil, are about 10 miles away. And they're like, okay, cool. And then the hound is finished pooping and comes out, and <laughs> Pod recognizes him, says who he is. They've exchanged some words. Uh, Brian jumps in, and those two... Uh, Brian's like, I'm sworn to protect you. I'm going to take you back, Arya. And Arya's like, no, you're not. And the Hound's like, no, you're not. And, oh, yes, I am. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. Clang, clang, clang. Now we have swords. Well, and there's there's some important recognition there, right? Like, the first thing is that we have Brienne and Arya really connecting. They're, like, Brienne recognizes that here's here's a woman who knows how to fight. She is practicing her um, her moves with her sword. They ask each other about their swords, and they start to talk and mm-hmm. to kind of just get to know each other before they know who each other is, really. Right. And that's very interesting. And then all the while, the hound was taking a dump, <laughs> and so he comes back into the scene. I thought, it was funny. Recog- I thought it was funny as hell that Arya was standing there going, there's people. Right. <laughs> you can shit another time. There's people. <laughs> and, and she really meant that. Yeah. Like, I'm like, no, she's kidding, right? No, she was not kidding. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those little moments of humanity. Like, that's how, that's how friends talk to each other. That's how people communicate, you know, when they're not in front of a crowd. They're just like, no, you can, you can do that later. Like... Right, you, you get you, dude. The they're get they're about to get a touchdown. You can you can wait until after that before you poop. Or you know, in this case, is like there's people. You know, it's it's just it was it was in, enamoring. So Pod recognizes the hound, and as a result, Brienne realizes that that's Arya. Yeah, and that she needs to protect Arya and get her to safety, but at the same time, kind of. So is the hound the because <laughs> he's not making any money at this point. Like, why is he even with her anymore? Right. But he is kind of protecting her well, and tries to defend her from getting taken away by fighting Brienne. Now, the interesting thing here is that while Brienne might have at one point had the trust of Arya. She doesn't anymore because the hound brings up that that sword Brienne is carrying. Oathkeeper. Is actually from the Lannisters. Yeah, he's like, I've been looking at Lannister gold my entire life. I know Lannister gold when I see it. And she, honor bound as she is, she has to admit that that's Lannister sword, that Jamie Lannister gave her that sword. Mm -hmm. And that shatters any rapport that she had with Arya. And, uh... And then her and the, she and the hound go at it. Seriously, like this is probably the second most vicious one-on-one fight I have seen next to what we just witnessed with the mountain and what's his name, I, Oberyn. So there's so many things. Um, it, they're fighting and they start out fighting sword to sword and then one of them throws a punch. So now that's on the table. 
and then one of them, one of them kicks the other one, and now that's on the table. So it's basically they, just in, all, in the crotch. Well, it's they just kick an, each other in their yeah. respective crotches. <laughs> it's it's an all out brawl at this point, and um, at one point, Brienne reach, reaches up and punches the hound in the crotch. And he buckles, and she goes to get her sword, and he gets up and kicks her in the crotch. And it was just just the blow for blow, how much they, they attacked each other this entire time was just awesome. They really went full-on attack mode with each other. And, I mean, which was hard to watch, because while she is a fierce warrior, it it hurts me inside to see a scene where a woman is getting beat up. Right. Yeah. And luckily it's Brienne. But she holds her own. She she certainly does. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she ultimately, like, wins. Beats him into, or like, pummels him and, and turns his face into mush. Yep. Knocks him down a cliff and... He's disappeared, but so has Arya. Yeah, so so much for getting to take them away. So they kind of leave, and when it's clear, Arya resurfaces. And it's funny when she resurfaces, you see her on a on like a rock outcropping, right. You don't even know she's there until she moves. Like she, her mm-hmm. outfit and the in the cliff are very, very uh, uh, chameleon like. Yes, yes, it's very uh, uh, camouflaged with each other. So when she gets up, you're like, "Oh, there's Arya right there!" Like you, she was there the whole time. You just didn't. How see did her. I not see that? <laughs> right. <laughs> like as a viewer, you're like, "How did I not see her there?" Um, yeah. And then she she climbs down and and talks to the hound. They who, have a lovely chat. Who. who and this this surprised the hell out of me. I did not expect this to happen. I did not expect this to transpire the way it did. He knows that he's done. Right. His femur is uh, an open an open uh, uh, fracture through his thigh. And he begs her. Ultimately, begs her to kill him. Yep. And he was on her list. Yeah. And she ignores his requests and walks away. Well, she steals his silver. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot about that step. That is pretty awesome. And, and, and my, thing, my thing is, is after watching this the second time, I still don't know, because Arya is so completely expressionless in this, I still don't know if she left him to die or couldn't bring herself to kill him. Yeah, you don't know. And no. quite frankly, he may very well be dead, but we didn't see it happen. Right. But it's it just, if you watch Arya specifically through this scene, it's, is she, is this a soft-hearted moment? She is or emotionless. Is this a cold she is moment? emotionless throughout this scene. Yeah. Again, showing what an amazing actor she is. Yeah, Maisie Williams is, is just ridiculous, especially on this part of it. And then going into the next season, it'll just get even better. But, um... That was one of the things I was looking for that when I was watching. I was looking for it because I wanted to know because I hadn't seen this episode again. I, you know, and I haven't read this far in the book. Like, is she is she letting him die or can she just not? And you don't know. She's just so cold and expressionless. Like, she's not letting herself be tempered by her emotions at all. 
which is, again, impressive considering that he was on the list. And I specifically remember a quote where she threatened that she would kill him with her uh, uh, with her sword between his eyes, I believe, yeah. she said, if I remember correctly. <clears throat> and he uh, he's let there to moan as she walks away. She somehow acquires herself a horse and goes yeah, to I, a port. I think maybe she was took the, the horses from... <laughs> I, I mean, that was the only explanation that I had, is that was one of Brienne and Pod's horses. Or the horses just got free and didn't go far because they found food, and then she later discovered them. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. E- either way, but she ends up with a horse. She's, she's, she is on a horse, and she manages to come upon a harbor where there's a ship and she asks the captain to to basically take her on. She'll pay her way. She doesn't need a room. Mm-hmm. She just needs to get north. And they're like, yeah, no, 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 no. We're not going north. That's no. a bad idea. Well, you don't want to go north. Well, then where are you and, going? <laughs> and where are they going? I they're forget. going to Bravos. Ah, we, okay. we set sail for Bravos. All right, that must be important. I didn't even catch that. Well, Bravos, Bravos is where um, uh, her her water dancing teacher, mm-hmm. Cyril Farrell, yeah, who taught her how to use the sword. That's where he came from. Okay, and that's where um, uh, the multi faced dude told her to go. So things are kind of coming together. And she wants to buy passage to Bravos, and he says, we're not taking any, anyone on. She offers her silver. He's not interested. So she brings out the iron coin. Yep. And he was, he's like, well, where did you get this? And before he has a chance to really start yelling at her, she says... The Vel- words that I can't pronounce that she managed to remember, even though she's only heard them once. Velar de Hoyes. <laughs> and he says... <laughs> Uh, of course, you will have a room. Velardo you will Harris. Have a cabin. Of course, you will have a cabin. And they're off. And she's on board a, a ship for the first time ever. Now, that is actually the end of the episode. But there's other stuff that happened. So uh, let's get Danny's story out of the way before we go to King's Landing and talk about being on the shitter again. Danny holds court in Marine. Um, it, it, they take the time for Masande to announce her entire name, all of her titles, the unbroken, the unburnt, the breaker of chains, the, 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 and, and, and the other, and, and the other, and it, it, it's almost like the showmanship. And then this guy comes up and says, basically, I, I would rather, rather be a slave than this homeless dude sitting on the streets eating in the, in the, the kitchens, um, can I go back to my master? And she's like, well, I will allow you to enter a one-year contract with them. Um, which, I mean, this is all just like, this kind of just gives gives a little bit more feel for Marine and where things are at. But then the real story kicks in. Yeah, well, so before we leave that, though, I think the, like it, it, it's, uh, there are a couple things about that particular transaction. One is that she's oblivious to the fact that you just can't, kind of unseat people from their lives and 
expect that to work. Um, well, because she's know, she's mean, only ever been we kind unseated. of as 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 a dominant country on this planet. We kind of have a history of of not learning that lesson too. <laughs> that it's it's hard. It, you you think that you're doing well by people by setting them free, but in fact, oftentimes you're putting them in a world that they don't know, they don't understand, and they're they're not set up to, uh, I sometimes even survive but right. succeed in. You, you, you can't give so, an Amazonian tribe the internet and expect them to know what to do with it. Uh, sure, that's another analogy. So <laughs> what what she ends up coming up with? I, again, I think it. This is, well, so a couple episodes, you and Jenny talked about how we are going to watch the same thing happen again and again and again with Danny. This scene was a repeat of scenes that we've already seen. Two people from a village that she conquered come in and tell her how hard things are, in fact, and it makes her think, and she comes up with some clever solutions and changes her mind about stuff. Right. That's what happens again. Yep. She ends up coming up with a clever solution for the guy who wants to go back to his master. Okay, you can be in a contract, but it's only for a year, and she's warned that, you know, that they might t- try to take advantage of that, and... She'll deal with that when the time comes. Mm-hmm. But uh, now you were going to say the next guy comes in with a bag of bones. Well, you learn from context that no one's heard from Drogon for a while. Drogon being the biggest of the dragons, the black dragon, because she's got like a black, a green, and a red or whatever. And the black one is the biggest. That's her 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 baby. You know, Drogon is like the the, the head dragon of the three. No you might remember last we saw him, he was a little snappish. Yeah, he was he was unhappy with his mama. Um, well, now someone else has seen him because he goes and chars the crap out of this three-year-old girl, um, which is, I mean, you, this is another scene where um, the actors play this out very well, and you can almost tell that it wasn't done in one take because the way that... the to hold that kind of a face and that somber of a note for for as long as he goes on this little little speech about his daughter and stuff and Masande's interpreting as they go along and you can actually hear Masande's voice cracking as they go through. Um, this has an effect on everybody, and Danny's got to do something about it. She's got to she's got to rein in rein in her dragons. And I did not see the result of this happening either yeah and this i mean this is ridiculous right these are cg characters that are magical and this tore my heart out right yeah she takes them down to the catacombs lures them down there with a sheep and then chains them shackles them yeah into the catacomb and then closes the door behind them and they don't realize it until until the door they look up from eating and realize that she's leaving and they try to come with her yep. and realize that they are chained and they start screaming and she closes the door behind her. As a fellow dog owner, you know the sound of the, the tone of those shrieks all too well, I am certain. Because every time you leave your dog at home and you, you lock him up in the kennel or whatever else, they don't destroy your house. They have this certain tone that just says, don't leave me. And that's they they keyed in on that whatever whatever musical note that is 
in, in their in their shrieks. That's what it hit on when I was watching this episode tonight. They keyed on in on that, but in addition to that, I think they they very effectively. And again, how they pulled this off, I don't know. And maybe I'm just projecting. Maybe I they I'm seeing more to this than was really there. But I felt like they showed the dragon's feelings of betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, it's almost it a was disbelief crazy. and a betrayal. Yeah, it, it, man, they, they did so well. Um, first of all, the CG is done really well. It doesn't look like she's shackling um, CG dummies or whatever else. It looks like she's actually shackling the, the dragons. No, in fact, I was worried for her while she was doing it. Because yeah. I'm like, they're going to realize what's happening. Yeah, and it just the whole scene is done so well. And this is such a, a heart-wrenching scene. Um, if if you if you have any affection for Danny at all, this is a heart wrenching scene for you because you know, she, and, and and she portrays it very well. As, uh, in addition, so yeah, she's look, torn up too. Yeah, the look on her face is just destroyed as well. And they still don't know where Drogon is. He hasn't been seen in three weeks since he was seen fl- flying over the black cliffs or something or other. So, <sighs> yeah. All right, well, um, let's turn to happier things. King's Landing. Uh, the mountain <laughs> is not in good shape. Uh, no, and I'm not going to... Tr- I'm trying not to give anything away here, so I'm not going to say much on this one because uh, Grandmaster Pycelle is useless. Cersei wants the mountain saved, and um, her little, uh, uh, little, little witch doctor guy has, has some plans, and he starts... Sucking out clumpy blood, saying about all about the the phoenix poison and stuff that uh, Oberon used on him. Yeah, so I, I somehow missed the poison part. Mm. But okay, <laughs> so he's dealing with poison, and you have this witch doctor, and uh, is he going to be a? Str- you know, will he be weak? And he's and the witch doctor is like, oh, oh no. no. <laughs> and, and, and that's and he just won't be himself right and she's like okay carry on so she leaves and she goes and talks to her dad <laughs> and and we see what we think might be a transfusion of sorts but we don't know much else beyond that and yeah let's go talk to daddy mm. um yeah i yeah she's she's not all that it, happy it, about it, it goes like marrying this. gay uh loris terrell hey daddy i don't want to get married to that guy too bad yeah. you're gonna get married but I'm not going to marry him. Too bad. You're going to get married. Um, I've been doing my brother all these years, and your legacy is a bust because all the kids are illegitimate. And I'll tell everyone if you make me marry that gay dude. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's kind of how that goes. And Tyrion is like, uh, hmm. Tyrion. Tywin. Tywin Tywin is like, "Uh, this isn't isn't right. And Cersei leaves because, once again, she has played her hand, and she's played it perfectly. Yeah, she played it. Really well, and and <laughs> like I, I could not believe that that was really happening. Yeah. Because when she said, "Well, then I will tell everyone," and he's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "No, she isn't." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, great writing, great execution, and a, a pretty awesome scene. Um, and so, what should you do next? But go and. You know, celebrate by telling your brother and seducing him. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, that sounds about right. Why not? So she goes and <laughs> goes to see Jamie, 
and convinces Jamie to uh, 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 take her on the table, uh, which he obliges. Um, she basically says, I've already told dad. I don't care if anybody finds out. I'm not going to lock the door. Let's just do this. Let's just be here for us. I choose you. Um, and they, they shag it out right there in the, in the, in the, in the tower. Yeah. That wasn't by chance the same table that their son's casket was no. lying on when he no. took advantage of her. No, no, okay, good. no, 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 that, that would, that would be in the, uh, in the sept of the seven and he was in the tower of, uh, the the town the town protection or whatever whatever the city protection the city guard. Again, this is how good these actors are. This is how good this story is. This is how good this writing is. I kind of felt good for them. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like how messed a, up is a, that? Just a moment of relief after all this time, right? Like how messed up is that? <laughs> Like the last time they were together on on good terms was in a tower at Winterfell before Bran got pushed out of a window. So <laughs> uh, remember the simpler times <laughs> when you did it in the Tower of Hay. Yeah, uh, when when all you had left was uh, some some blonde hairs and some hay. Um, well, Jamie, I don't know that Jamie necessarily takes the lesson very good that he should be listening to Cersei or realizes he's being manipulated or even is being manipulated. He decides he's got to make a stand and stand for his brother. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't see these two stories as being related, really, at all. He, I think, is always going to stand for his brother to the extent that he can. Mm -hmm. And what that means now, and this was a surprise to me, but what that means now is that he is going to help his brother escape. Right. And so he has this elaborate plan set out with Varys helping, and they're going to get him out of King's Landing mm -hmm. and to safety and he can never come back. So they have this touching moment where they realize that they're probably saying goodbye forever and they embrace and Tyrion's just not ready to go quite yet. Yo, he's got a things to do list and there's one thing on top of that list and that is to confront his father. Um, yeah, but you know what? He's... um. He's not he's not in his chambers like you might expect him to be but, instead. But his chambers aren't empty. No. Hmm. No. Now Tyrion recognizes a voice though and a very particular phrase uttered in that voice. Yes. Shay is in Tywin's bed begging Tywin to return my lion. <laughs> Yeah, so that doesn't go over well. That um, uh, that really pisses him off. She's, so she sees Tyrion. Tyrion sees her. She yeah, reaches for I mean, a this knife. This is a little bit of a diversion. They weren't expecting this to happen. She wasn't expecting him. He wasn't expecting her. Right. So they they have a they have a slap fight. The next thing you know, he's strangling her to death. Yes. Yes. Um, so that goes on, and uh, he he cries for a second. Yeah, but where's where's dad? Yeah. Oh, maybe he's down on the shitter. Yeah, he's, he's maybe he's on the chamber pot. 
So he goes to the chamber pot. Well, I mean, he picks up a, a crossbow on his way, just for good measure. These these are royals. I'm sure this was a a proper bench with a hole in it, right. not just a plain old pot. Right. Yeah. I know that's 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 true. Um, but he's still sitting on it. And I mean, he's been in there for a while. So what is he doing? Because he didn't have a newspaper. Like I, just a random thought. But um, so Tyrion finds <laughs> he didn't have a newspaper. He didn't have an iPad. Right. I mean, seriously, he, what the hell do you do he, while you're sitting there? He needs an eye scroll, <laughs> um, eye, eye parchment. Um, Ty, Tyrion goes in there. Tywin's sitting there, and basically Tywin is sees the crossbow and if, if initially challenges Tyrion. Tyrion stays silent. Then he tries to console Tyrion, saying how he would never, he would never uh, uh, let him let Sir Illyn Payne kill him, and you know you're my son, and this and that. And then when that doesn't work, he goes about his lambasting ways of you're not my son, uh, you'll never amount to anything. And and Tyrion, I think his trigger finger slipped. Is that what happened? At this point, I think it was pretty obvious that Tyrion was going to kill his father while he was taking a shit, which is pretty awesome. You do realize uh, patricide was one of the first things that they mentioned when they were going down through all the sides? <laughs> like this the little foreshadowing. Um, so yeah, he, he shoots him once, uh, and then while he sits there and he's like, you shot me, like complete disbelief, Tyrion takes the time to slowly reload the crossbow. Pulls a bolt out of his back pocket, shoots him again. <laughs> yep. I think that one probably did the job. He's just cool as a cucumber and then goes to the door where he's supposed to meet Varys. And yeah, I mean, casually, well, now that the job is done, now he can go and like follow through mm-hmm. with Jamie's plan. Yeah. No problem. Casually so, throws the crossbow aside as he's walking. <laughs> but although, you know, he's been through a lot, so he probably looks like. Crap, and Varys is like, what did you do? Right, right, right. And this was actually an interesting... I don't know if you've caught this, but so I'll, I'll let you narrate this part, and then I'll see if you caught it, uh, the, the, the pivotal point. Um, yeah, so my recollection here is that Varys is basically escorting Tyrion down to a shipping uh, harbor mm-hmm. and they're he lo- hiding him in a crate and he's like trust me just get in here he, he, said, he so, says trust me i've gotten you this far <laughs> okay so has he really so well, exactly that's that's exactly the point is like how much how much right. how much of the previous events in Tyrion's life has Varys had a hand in right you know right. you just you just never know so he gets in the crate, mm-hmm. the crate gets sealed, and the crate gets lifted up onto the ship. And as that's happening, we hear bells from the castle. Right. So... And, oh, that can't be good. And there's the pivotal point that I was talking about. Varys sees the Tywin is being loaded onto the ship and is walking back off... Tyrion. The, yes, sorry. Tyrion being loaded up on the ship, and Varys starts walking back off the dock, back towards the city. And here's the bells. Here's the bells, 
and makes a very, very quick calculation in his head. decides to get back on the ship. Yeah, he carried the two in his head and said, maybe <laughs> now is not a good time for me to be returning to the city. Yeah. Um, and he gets on the ship, and they sail off together. Yeah, now, that was interesting to me because, again, his whole thing is that the most important thing to him is saving the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Right? Is this is the... Uh, the the success is the wrong word, but the prosperity and continued health of the kingdom. Right. And I, I'm not entirely convinced that I understand how he's going to do that if he's shirking away in the moment of problem. But who knows? We'll see. I I know that the frame for the next episode that we're going to watch has a picture of Tyrion on it next to a bottle of wine. So I'm assuming he's doing okay. I think this okay. So Varys, this entire time has been the spider, right? He's been the the whisper of secrets. Like he knows everything, and he can he knows what's going on. He knows the the feel of the city, the heartbeat of the city, the pulse of the city. He knows he knows the kingdom. The kingdom is his to hear. And then when he hears those bells tolling, he knows that Tywin is dead. And if Tywin yeah. is dead, there is no longer. Any form of checks and balances over Cersei. None. Well, that's exactly right. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that this is Cersei's moment. Right. And I think... And she will grab it. And I think that's where Varys is like, you know what? I would have to come up with something very, very deep and very... Like, to be able to justify me being here and not knowing that that was going to happen or that that did happen or to try to deal with Cersei without any kind of balance against her, it's too much. And my talents to serve the kingdom may be best used elsewhere. So maybe I should go on vacation to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I need to take five. All right. Can we take five? I'm going to I'm gonna go grab a snack over in Dorne or somewhere. <laughs> it was a very, very satisfying season finale i think yes and of course this is before uh this is immediately before um arian aria gets on the ship yeah, before aria is sailing yeah off. exactly yeah. so you, you yeah. the end of season four you get like so many big chunks of satisfaction that you were missing this entire season like when am i going to get some resolution to anything and then you know, because you think you're going to get it with Oberon and uh, in the mountain, and it doesn't turn out your way. You know, you you think it's going to be all happy and happy, happy joy, joy when right. when uh, right. uh, Joffrey dies, and it didn't happen yeah. that way. It, it just yeah. went further into chaos. And finally, the last episode of the season, you get all this satisfaction wrapped up into one, with the exception of Danny. Like, what is going on with Danny and the dragons? So. Well, and frankly, we don't get any sort of satisfaction with John. They're safe for now, but they're, you know, he's suffered a great loss. The castle has suffered significant loss. There's yeah. a whole lot of unknown about what's going to happen at Castle Black I, next. I, I wrote down clean up on Isle Black. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, but and did you notice the way the red woman looked at John through the flames uh, when they were burning the bodies? It's, mm, no, yeah, I actually didn't. Yeah, it's, she's she's she knows uh, she knows something. She's she's got 
She's got ideas and plans. I mean, more significantly, I didn't even catch that she was there. Oh, you might want to rewatch the last few minutes of that uh, that scene then. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Because it's going to lead into things. And uh, uh, everyone that they, that they show prominently in that scene is important for the next season. Okay, good to know. <laughs> well... We will be covering that in uh, our next episode, yes. where we talk about episodes 501 and 502. And maybe... I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to having Jenny back yes. to talk with us about this, because, um, man, when you and I get behind the mic together, we just go on and on and on and on. This was a long one. Yeah, um, and, and this is... Uh, so the. For those of us, for those of you, not those of us, we've we've been here the whole time. Uh, for those of you that have been with us through the beginning and uh, the, continuing now through the rewatching of Game of Thrones, and for for Richard the first time through, we have now have a date of when the last season is going to be out in April of 2019. So our goal. Well, we don't have a date so much as a month, right? right? We have a month. It's going to be in April. Yeah. So we're going to be ready in April. Yeah. Our, our pl- that we'll be caught up on both recording and production. Right. Both of these are challenges for us, just so that we set that record straight. <laughs> All three of us. We're going to, we are going to be, yes, both of those things, recording and production are challenging for the whole team here. So we are going to do our best to be all caught up so that by the time season eight is out, we'll have episodes of Let's Talk About Thrones out shortly after the episode itself yep. has premiered. The idea would be... So that will be an episode-by-episode episode recap instead of two at a time. Right, yep. And uh, on that front, we may start... Pr- um moving these up a little bit and covering more than two episodes at a time as we reach that goal of releasing and being caught up on time before the season. Yeah. Begins. Let's be, let's be honest about that. It's because as we get more behind, we're going to have to stack them up. <laughs> we, we started this with enough time to do one episode per episode. And now we're, we're slowly backing up to where we're going to have to Okay. Uh, so this episode, we're going to cover season six. <laughs> well, this is what for us, for for all of us. I think this is like our fourth podcast or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, we do what we can. We're trying to stay on it. So we hope that you'll join us for that and stick with us through until we get there. If you want to provide some feedback for, uh, you know, what you think about the show, how we're covering it, stuff that we missed, your interpretation of why they keep on switching out uh, Darius's. Um, <laughs> Let, you know, there's a place where you can talk to us. Let's talk about thrones at gmail.com. All right. That's cool. <laughs> um, if people want to talk to you, how would they do that, Anthony? They can find me on Twitter at Ethan Kane, E-T-H-A-N-C-A-I-N-E. And how about you, Richard? They can find me and a number of other voices in my head on Twitter, all aggregated at Richard Gunther. And that is... Pretty much spelled the way it sounds. And let's not forget Jenny J twenty three on the Twitter for the currently absent, hopefully not absent anymore, Jenny Josephson. This has been great. Join us next time when we talk about Thrones again. See you. See you next time. 
T U A L M I S C O Y。